un poquito Villa, suelta bien, aquí viene Márquez, del otro lado solo Cuauhtémoc, Cuauhtémoc, suya, 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 suya. Welcome to another episode of Club Bucket Podcast. I guess post-game breakdown, look ahead at the next uh, group stage. Uh, with me, I got, I got Owen. Owen, how's it going? Great, Raul. Great to be on the podcast. Thanks for inviting me. A lot to talk about this Trinidad Tobago game, which I kind of feel a little a little guilty because I was at Target yesterday. I, I tweeted a photo with some candles, and I said, praying to the gods that no one gets hurt. I mean, I would hate to see Lozano get hurt and miss time with Napoli. And, of course, that's exactly what happened, and I had a lot of people bringing that tweet back up at me. Well, I think it's two curses, right? I mean, you've got you've got the recent Raul injury. Fortunately, the 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 Chuki problem it looks like it, it's not as serious. Um, and then you've got the AT and T Stadium curse. I mean, that's crazy. So that's the third. I was looking up. So you've got Montez who broke his tibia and fibula, missed the 2014 World Cup. Araujo has the meniscus problem against Croatia, misses the 2018 World Cup, and now you have. This problem with Chucky all in the same stadium. Granted, Mexico do play a lot of games there, but well, you also have uh, Salcedo hurt his shoulder in that same and, game. And yes, and last and last night as well. Fortunately, not you know, not a not a super serious injury, but yeah, it looked. I was a little scared when I saw it. I was like, oh crap! When you fall like that, it's very easy to break your clavicle. I mean, Chicharito broke his clavicle game one of the Gold Cup uh, a few years ago. I forget which one, but it was a very similar fall, and I was like, great. Here we go again, another injury. But before we get to the injuries, um, what do you think of the lineup, lineup choices? We had Talavera starting, Chaka, Arajo, Salcedo, Osvaldo Rodriguez, Herrero, Edson, Guti, Tecatito, Funes Mori, and Lozano. What do you think of, of Tata starting 11? So I think it's clear from the squad that was called up, first of all, for the tournament, that Mexico are taking this very seriously, and, and the goal is to win the tournament, obviously. Um, the need is to win the tournament. And I think the team reflected that. There's only one change from the Nigeria friendly, which was Araujo coming in for Sepulveda. So basically within within the squad that they have, more or less the strongest team that could have been picked. I think one the one issue or the one um, point that you could debate is um, Osvaldo Rodriguez over Gallardo at left back. Um, I think there might be more going on there um, with Gallardo, but... Otherwise, I think the strongest team that could have been could have been picked, and I don't really have a a real problem with any of the selections. I think it's it's good to see Guti getting getting a lot of minutes and hopefully a consistent run here during the Gold Cup after his his injury problems at PSV. What do you think of Talavera as a number one to I guess in place of Ochoa while he's at the Olympic team? Any any problems or just like hey, business as usual? Talavera is the number two. I think business as usual, more or less. He's the number two. I think. Ochoa at the World Cup, provided he's healthy, will will be the starter for sure. Um, but Talavera has been solid in the in the minutes that he's been given. The games that he played on the European tour back in the fall, he looked good. I remember against Holland, he had a he had a solid game. Um, definitely a solid number two. I think Mexico are are good at goalkeeper. Um, certainly for the rest of this cycle, I think given that Talavera and Ochoa are obviously up in up there in age, you're gonna have to think about. A general generational replacement after Qatar, but for now, I think he's solid as the number two. Yeah, and rumors came out rumors, but uh, Ochoa, the young keep, MLS keeper, is training with Mexico this week. 
that was kind of good to see. I mean, I'm, I've always been one of those guys and I've been saying it for as long as I've had the pot. Cause as long as I've had the pot, but has been number one, but one thing Mexico needs to do, and I thought Coutinho was going to be the guy, but they need to start bringing in a third keeper as the young guy. Like they need a keeper who's in his twenties. I mean, I thought I've been out they're obviously they're set through 2022, but we need to start bringing in another guy, whether it's just, just to be in camp, just to play the second half of Moleto, just something to kind of, you know, bleed them in a little bit into a little a game here or there. Because once Ochoa retires, Talavera is not going to be far behind. So it's going to kind of be like a number one, number two. And I mean, even Corona to a certain extent, he's not, hasn't been called up, but he's 41. Right. All th- that, the trio are all old, even for goalkeepers now. Um, I think that that is a potential bone to pick. Coach is the, the third keeper for this tournament. Um, he's not a young buck by any means. I think it's colored a little bit by the fact that you've got the Olympics at the same time, right? So you've got you've got Malagón who's going with the Olympic team, right? I think you could have said, okay, maybe Acevedo there as the third keeper, get him a little bit of experience. Yeah, um, I still mean, hasn't I, still I hasn't like made his too. national team debut. But at the same time, and I'll be saying a couple times, this tournament is such in a terrible spot in the calendar. If you would have brought him up, he would have missed time where he would have for sure played with his club team. So it's like, bring him, if you bring him and not even use him when he could have been getting games in at his club, it's like a weird, weird thing. Yeah, Ochoa turns 36 years old in two days on the 13th. Yeah, which for a goalkeeper, he's still got another couple of, of good years in him at least. But the chances of him making it to 2026, I would say, are are unlikely. Certainly you have to start thinking about someone who could legitimately replace him. Who's a little bit younger. Yeah. I mean, I can see him making it to 2026 as the third keeper, <laughs> the 40 year old third keeper, <laughs> even just for the marketing opportunities. I mean, we all need those. We all need more memo to state farm commercials or all state commercials. For sure. Right. And if it, I mean, if it, if it brings, if it brings people to the stadium, if it, if it helps the Federation get, get more money to, to hopefully invest in, in youth development, it can't be, it can't be a bad thing. If we're going to be, if, if Mexico are going to be playing all these games in the United States, might as well try to make as much money off them as possible. And the FMF is good at making money. I mean, I don't, I don't think they maximize as much money as they can make, but that's a different story. Um, what do you think of the, the midfield? I really liked, obviously the man of the match for me was Herrera. He was amazing yesterday. Um, Avenas was good too. He, he picked up, the dumb yellow I, that the ref gave him after the, after he got pissed off that there was no penalty and on, on, on that Lozano thing. So, and then uh, what do you think of Guti? I thought Guti was good. Um, I I still don't know why he got subbed out early on in the second half. I was a little surprised by that. Yeah, I was surprised by that too. I think potentially the fact that he hasn't he didn't play a lot in the back half of of the season with PSV. So it's, played, it's not like he has he a lot. Like the whole game or at least 70 minutes against Nigeria, right? For sure. But I think, right. I mean, precisely that he played a whole game, maybe trying to kind of dose out his, his minutes a little bit, um, especially considering it's going to be, you know, you're imagining Mexico is going to be going all the way to the final. If he's in your preferred 11, you don't want him to be gassed by the time you're in a semifinal or a final. Um, you want him to be able to play the 90 minutes. So I think it might have been thinking about that. I thought he looked good, too, in the first 45 minutes. I mean, I think this is the kind of game where 
it's hard to judge. It's certainly hard to judge defenders um, for Mexico. And I think it's, it's hard to judge even players um, in the midfield. They're, you know, Trinidad were committed a hundred percent or, you know, 99% to defending sitting extremely deep. There were, the they times where the midfield, they had seven right, defenders the, and the goalie in their uh, starting 11, just by position laid out in the official gold cup uh, roster. <laughs> I saw that right. The, the 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 amount of times where the Mexico midfielders had real pressure on their back or pressure when they were trying to turn were few and far between. Um, so you're basically you've got no pressure you're looking for. You're just trying to find you know pick out passes. I, that makes it obviously a lot e- a lot easier for the midfielders and then subsequently a, a lot harder to judge. I think there was even some of that with Gutierrez in in the game against Nigeria, a Nigeria C team. At least, right to to put it nicely, is, a Nigerian C team, nice right? C team, and he played. The U twenty coach actually managed the team. the The senior coach was just sitting there watching, but he didn't. He didn't. It was a, it was a it was a weird, pointless friendly. Like that was. What did we learn by Mexico playing essentially the U twenty two squad from Nigeria? Nothing, I think. But hey, at least it, met, it made them feel good winning. Right. I I think right. I mean. It gave confidence to a player like um, to a player like Gutierrez, Funes Mori getting a goal. I think that's that's what that type of match serves serves you for. Um, otherwise, in terms of learning about about different players, uh, how they can fit in tactically, etc., um, it didn't it didn't serve for much. Well, the big talking point of Lozano getting hurt. Obviously, he's done for the Gold Cup. He's done for four to six weeks. I think he'll probably be ready to go before then, but it's just going to take him out. Um, he should be back in time for uh, Napoli's Serie A opener in about six weeks, but tough injury for Lozano. Um, I think the game changed when he went out of the game. Everyone was kind of stunned for a few minutes. We talked about it a little bit before we started recording, but the ref kind of let them play. It let Nigeria have, or Nigeria, sorry, let Trinidad and Tobago kind of rough Mexico up, and it seemed to have an effect on uh, L3. We've, we've seen it before with really terrible injuries like that. It happened. I remember watching the, the Jimenez incident against Arsenal, and both teams in that match kind of struggled to to get back into the competitive swing of things for 10, 15, 20 minutes afterwards. I think that was that was certainly seen on the Mexican side last night. As you're saying, hopefully Chucky can return well for the start of Napoli's season. I think He's certainly established there after what he, he did last term, but I think it's slight concern considering they have a new coach coming in. Having him fully ready to start the season in Italy would, would be ideal. But Mexico are going to have to find someone else to, to step in and fill that void as, as much as possible. I think that's we'll have to see what happens here. I think with, with Raul out, there were, you know, there's been this question, the goal-scoring struggles, who can replace him? Should Chicharito be coming back? And and that trident that he had with with Tecatito and and Chucky in the European friendlies at the back end of 2020 was so effective. Now to have two of those three gone, admittedly against Concacaf competition, at least low level competition during the the group stage, maybe the quarterfinals, we'll have to see how how that works out. How how Mexico go about creating chances and and scoring goals here. Hopefully, Bulls name of the game. Uh, what did you think of Funes Mori? I thought. I know people were ragging on him, and I know some some of the popular, I guess we'll call them popular, some of the uh, post-game shows on, in Mexico were already questioning 
Funes Mori and saying, well, wouldn't it have been better to have a, a natural, a, a, a Mexican citizen and not a naturalized citizen? I thought it was like the biggest horseshit I've ever heard <laughs> after 90 minutes, but I thought he did his job well. I mean, I know he didn't score, but he put himself in great spots and a lot of his nice uh, movement, just he just ended up hitting it right at the keeper, at the Trinidad Tobago keeper. Like there was three shots, three or two or three shots where he had clean looks. He just hit him at the keeper. Talking about Funes Mori, there's this. There's the debate, first of all, about whether or not naturalized Mexican citizens should be allowed to play for the national team. I think trying not to enter into that debate, just analyzing how, how he looked on the field. I think he's an upgrade over what Pulido and, and Henry Martin have been offering. Um, he participates a little bit more in the build-up play. He's better at connecting um, through the forward line. You look at that, he created a really good chance for Tecatito about midway through the first half with a, a 1-2 just outside the box. Yeah, he's teamed up very well he, with the wingers. Like it's, I'm kind of bummed that we won't see him in Lozano link-up. Right, and I think – so. His link-up play, I think, is an imp- is is a step up on on what Pulido and and Henry were providing, at least in their in their last few appearances, right? And he did have a few chances, but I would say, I mean, they, they weren't egregious misses, right? The header in in the ninth minute, he gets that on goal, and it wasn't it wasn't the easiest headed chance. Then his other big opportunity was in the 74-75th minute, I believe. He's backpedaling to receive a lofted ball from Hector Herrera receives it well on his chest, swivels at the same time and manages to get yeah. a toe to the ball to shoot it on goal. I think he does really well there to actually get that yeah, on goal and test, to test the keeper, right? And then his third chance in, in extra time, well into extra time, he's past the near post, gets to a corner, and he gets that on goal as well. I think you could say of those chances, the one he, cause he should maybe be scoring or doing better with is the first one, but I think Overall, you can't really knock him on on balance, right? I think the one thing you could say when you're comparing him to a Polito to a Henry Martin, and the fact that neither Polito nor Henry Martin have, in their appearances with Mexico have ever really staked their claim to even a, the backup striker spot. Funes Mori's two appearances now have come against a severely understrength Nigeria and a Trinidad and Tobago that failed to qualify for the octagonal, are ranked 103rd in the world, right? Pulido and Henry were playing against slightly better competition, Nations League friendlies against against better competition than what Funes Mori's had so far. So I think it's a it's a little hard to judge. You just have to you have to add that asterisk there. He did better than Pulido was going to do, mostly because Pulido's still hurt. He is not match fit. He's not expected to play in the second game on Wednesday. So we have nothing else, and Lozano's out. Who who has played the false nine? Honestly, what other option does Mexico have? Like, who else? Let's just say, let's say Funes Mori tweaks his ankle tomorrow in practice. Who the hell is Mexico going to play? Are they going to trudge out Polito, who is obviously cannot is not match fit? He hasn't played in a little bit, and he had the huge gash when he played with a uh, Sporting KC a couple weeks ago. Uh, you, are you going to play uh, Efrain Alvarez as a false nine? What, what are you going to do? Like on it, let's just let's just let's just play a game of what is Mexico going to do if Funes Mori is out on Wednesday. Well, let's let's hope that doesn't happen. First of all, um, I think you'd have to play with the false nine. I wouldn't. Efrain wouldn't be my choice just because oh, he doesn't corona? have. I guess you do Corona. 
Right. I was going to say I I would have I would have my most experienced my senior attacker play that position, and it would be it would be Tecatito, and then I'd have Orlean on the left and and Efrain on the right. Hopefully, we don't have to to go through that. That hopefully that theoretical doesn't <laughs> become a reality, right? Hopefully yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the roster, and I'm just like, uh, who do you play out there? I mean, maybe you can try Eric Sanchez. I, uh, <laughs> he's all of 21 years old, so uh, it's a very thin. And but like I said, I'm happy with Funes Mori. I think he's done well. He's put himself in good spots. Um, he stood out to me as someone who, you know, he did his job. And honestly, if you would have, if Two weeks ago, you would have asked us, what do you want Mexico's number nine to do right now until Raul gets back is just do your job. Obviously, Pulido and Martin did not do a good enough job. That's why we played Lozano as a false nine. But I think Flores Mori did his job. And the debate of whether he should play or not, he's playing. That's the reality. He's a, he's a naturalized Mexican citizen. And I don't know, do you want to say that Efrain Alvarez shouldn't play because he was born in L.A.? I mean, you, where do you want to start this debate? I mean, should uh, Miguel Ponce not play because he was born in California? Same with uh, uh, the Conejito Rizuela. I mean, he was born in Sacramento. I mean, do you want to go down that path? Whatever. He's Mexican. He's playing. I'm fine with it. I'm, I'm good with it. Anyone else stood out to you? I know we, we've kind of – I think we might have talked about it beforehand, but I, my for me, Hector Herrera, he did everything you want him to do. He was orchestrating, and I know – it's not like he had a lot of pressure in front of him, but he had like seven key passes, I think, via sofa score last I checked. He had 140 touches on the ball. I mean, what did how, what did you think of his performance? I thought he was definitely the best player for Mexico, best player on the field. I think the thing that's really interesting um, with Herrera over the last couple of games is that going he's orchestrating, which is what you want from him, but He's also dangerous in the final third with those key passes creating he, he was cr- created most of Mexico's yeah. right he either he either he authored almost all of Mexico's big chances either with long range shots or with key passes so the talk until the Nigeria Panama games which for for different reasons I think you have to take with a huge grain of salt right Certainly the Panama game, that was the Olympic team, right? The Nigeria game, we've touched on a little bit already. Before that, they were really struggling for goals since Raul Jimenez had gone down. Um, And so you're going to need to get goals from other places. Herrera, I believe, in his first 76 games with Mexico had six goals. In 52 minutes against Nigeria, he gets two goals. And then against Trinidad, he hits the post. He almost scores with another long-range shot. He's combining the final third creating a lot of chances he's someone who's clearly taking that responsibility on his shoulders and running with it i think that's that's a big positive going forward we'll see we'll see if he can continue that he was seven he was 17 for 18 on long balls and he had eight key passes 140 touches he was a beast i I was shocked he didn't score a goal and he was trying i feel like i feel like he just he was doing whatever it asked of him i mean with once the catito went down it was kind of like, hey, we're going to need you to be the guy in the middle. And I talked a little bit about Efren Alvarez, and I think he played well in the first half, the first 20 minutes after he came on for uh, for Lozano. But he kind of faded. And honestly, the right side of the field was not to be heard from in the second half at all. The only thing you ever saw was maybe Chaka making a run. But Alvarez, 
we only it seems like we only went through Tecatito in the second half. I think that's definitely true. I think he he fell off a little bit in the second half, but he's someone who just turned nineteen. Um, doesn't doesn't have that many. I think that was his third appearance with Mexico. Officially became cap tied now with Mexico. He's in line theoretically for his first ever Mexico start now against Guatemala. I think it's hard to demand a lot of a player with such with with little experience as little experience as he has. The flashes are there. The talent is clearly there, and I think obviously Chucky getting injured is not something you want, but. The silver lining is that it's going to hopefully give us a chance, at least maybe in these group stage games here, which uh, where the stakes are not as high to see to see Efrain strutting his stuff and and see what he can do, try to try to develop him a little bit in a national team shirt. Yeah, I, I liked him. Like I said, the first 15, 20 minutes after he came on, I think he was doing well. He was doing what he could. I mean, he, he barely had a chance to warm up. And said, "Hey, go out there and do what you got to do." And like I said, I thought he played well. Um, he played 72 minutes, but no key passes. Just, I mean, you can tell the dude is 19 years old. I mean, he's a young guy. It's tough to play for Mexico because so much is asked of you. And now I feel like Mexico has to win this tournament because they're the only one that sent most. I mean, you can call it like an A squad, pretty much an A squad minus a couple of the Olympic guys, but they have, they pretty much have to win. Um, I, Guti, like I said, Guti played well the first half. I was surprised he got taken out. I'm surprised and not surprised, mostly because Tata loves uh, loves playing Jonathan Dos Santos there in that spot. So I think that might be a thing where Jonah plays for Guti. But like I said, there's plenty of games coming up. Um, who do you think is going to start for um, for Lozano? Do you think it's going to be Efrain? I don't, I don't think it's going to be Efrain. I, I honestly don't. I think he's going to uh, put a Pineda out there out wide, but I mean, I'd be I'd be excited to see Alvarez play. I mean, these are the type of games you want him to play, get that experience. But who do you think is going to end up starting out there? I think it, I think it's going to be Efrain against Guatemala because he's the one who came on in that position. He's more accustomed to playing on the right than Orbelin is. We're more used to seeing Orbelin um, as an interior or on the left, right? Not not as much on the right as a as a real right winger in a four three three. So I would expect to see Efrain. I don't think the Guatemala game is – Guatemala are going to look to sit back. They're going to sort of look to do something similar to Trinidad and Tobago did, but I think there's potentially even less um, less material there um, for Guatemala to work with in terms of trying to, to execute that game plan than what Trinidad and Tobago have. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Efrain again. You think we see a 4-3-3? Maybe – I I mean, I haven't heard anything. I don't know if you've heard anything on uh, Salcedo's injury. Um, the fact that we haven't heard anything leads me to believe he's, he's fine, just a little knock. Otherwise, I guess you could just plug in Hector Moreno. I mean, I doubt I doubt Mexico's defense has much to do against Guatemala, who, by the way, was thrown into this tournament about 72 hours ago. So they weren't even supposed to be in it. It was supposed to be Curacao. That's right. Yeah, I think Hector Moreno is a straight swap for Carlos Salcedo if, if Salcedo is out against Guatemala. I can't see a change from a 4-3-3. That's... That's Martino's favorite formation. That's that's the one he's used. I mean, the majority of his matches with Mexico. I don't I don't see him changing that. That's that's the preferred formation. I think certainly from a back four, right? I don't I don't see him changing that. I think a switch to a four four two. If you're just if we're talking about oh okay, the forward line is look they're looking a little thin up there. Maybe you have to start someone like Efrain with with not that much experience on the right, 
give him his first start in a goal in for Mexico when it comes it comes in a Gold Cup game that although Mexico are heavily favored, you have you have to win this game, right? If you had a if you went with a four four two, you could start Tecatito up there with Rogelio Fornes more. You have a lot a lot more experience up there, but who knows if they've tried that? If that's something that they've worked on in training at all, um, I would I would expect to see the four three three again. Yeah, I'd expect the four three three, and yeah, I mean I, I don't know what you would change. I mean Mexico didn't win, but to be honest, I mean they generated the chances. Like we talked about with Funes Mori, they generated chances. Just hit the post once or twice, hit it at the keeper three or four times. I mean. I, I don't know why you would change anything other than plugging in players, healthy players. I mean, Talavera, I think Talavera had a couple of touches. He had maybe one save. He didn't do much for most of the game. I mean, there was one or two counterattacks there, but like he was just chilling the whole time. I agree. I think a lot of, a lot of the, the, the main reason for why Mexico went scoreless was execution. The, the amount of crosses that they, that they had countless crosses a lot of which miss the target. If you have better crossing, I think you you win that game. They generated, you know, plenty of shots. They were forced to shoot a lot from outside the box. I think one thing you could, if you were maybe being picky, maybe a little bit more generation inside the 18, you know, within the width of the 18 yard box, right? Generation inside combination play. I referred earlier to that that chance that uh, Tecatito and Funes Mori created with the the one two just outside the box. Combinations like that, I think, were rarely seen. There was there was more of an effort to to combine out wide. But when you've got a team like Trinidad who are sitting effectively the entire team in their own eighteen yard box in their own third, it's it's also hard to do that. And the bet where where the space is is out wide. So I don't think there were, there was really a tactical fallacy from Mexico, I think the execution though in the final third could have obviously been better. A couple of stats. Mexico had 83% possession. They took 30 shots compared to four, had seven on target compared to zero, had 10 block shots compared to one, 15 corners compared to one. And yeah, they had, they had 12 shots outside the box. Trinidad and Tobago's keeper had seven saves. Mexico's keeper had zero. So yeah, I mean, like I said, I don't know what you changed tactic-wise. It just comes down to execution, really, for this for this game on uh, Wednesday against Guatemala, and then they play El Salvador on Sunday, the 18th. Um, one thing I want to touch on is, and I'm not I'm not saying this is the reason why Mexico didn't win, but how embarrassing has has the refereeing through the Champions League earlier this year? And through the Nations League and the first couple games of the Gold Cup, and how embarrassing has that been for Concacaf? Just, just in general. And I'm not saying I'm not going to be like those. Uh, I'm not going to be like those guys on uh, those uh, Mexican shows where everyone's against Mexico. No, no, that's just bad across the board. But what do you, what do you think? How do you think that looks for Concacaf? Definitely doesn't look good. It's left a lot to be desired, and I think the big issue which we saw on Saturday night and also in the CONCACAF Champions League is that it's it's putting players' integrity at risk. Um, you think back to the return leg with America and Olympia when Chucho Lopez breaks his fibula um, after a horror tackle. You've got the Chuki injury. Bad refereeing can sometimes lead to, you know, permissive refereeing or, you know, losing control of the game. Those, those incidents are more likely to happen. And that, that ends up hurting CONCACAF, right? Now having Chuki 
Chuki out of the tournament. That's one of the big stars of the Gold Cup. And now he's out of the tournament. Yeah, he's out. Alfonso Davies is out. Those are the guys that were actually registered to play. None of the U.S. guys are there. Chicharito's not there. Who is the best player left in this tournament for CONCACAF? Obviously, we know Mexico is the money team, but who is the most talented player left? The uh, Corona? That's the one that's coming to mind. I, mean, I think for Mexico now. I mean, on paper, the best team in the tournament, Mexico, the most talented player left for them is, is Tecatito now that, now that Chuki's out. That's, that's the only one that's really coming to mind. The United States is, has called up a B team, a real, a real skeleton squad. There, there's almost no carryover from the Nations League team. I'm not sure who's in the Costa – Joe Campbell's in the Costa Rica team. Joe Campbell's a player I like a lot, but I don't think he's on Tecatito's level. Yeah, Costa Rica has um, yeah Joe Campbell, Brian, a 35-year-old Brian Ruiz. So, yeah, I think he might be it. I mean, the United States, uh, I don't even know who their best, who their most exciting player is. I mean, they got a lot of young guys. They got Busio, who's 19. They got Matthew Hobby, who's 20. They got a lot of young guys, but, I mean, Par Areola doesn't, do anything for me. Jazzy's artist doesn't do anything for me. So, legit, I guess. I, I don't know. I think Tecatito is the best player left outstanding in the tournament, and I'm scared for him. I am scared for him with this kind of crappy refereeing. He's gonna get. He's gonna get. He's gonna get fucked up. Let's just be honest. If 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 the Congreve isn't protecting these players, he is the prime guy who's gonna get tackled, kicked. For the next two games, for the next four, five games, hopefully with Mexico making the final, don't you think? For sure, I was I was seeing a lot of that on on Twitter during the game. Fans fans praying for Tecatito, worried about him. I think outside of of Herrera, he was he was I thought the best player for Mexico. Really brave, always taking his man on, creating a lot of danger down the left. Um, and hopefully he can stay healthy. Mexico are going to need him. Um, he's the he's the big attacking outlet for them now. Um, without Chuki, I think just to add one point to the the best player left, I was just looking up. Jamaica have Leon Bailey in their team, the the Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he, you could, you could. You know, he's been he's been linked to some big teams in the past. Um, I, I forget that he played for Jamaica because there's been a lot of back and forth where he was going to come, he didn't show up, and his agent, uh, and like there's been a lot of back and forth between that. So yeah, yeah, Leon Bailey's definitely up there, if not a little more. A little more talented, maybe uh, Tecatito, but yeah, that's a good one right there. Um, looking ahead for Mexico, assuming we win Group A, um, we play the second place team in Group D, which is Honduras, Panama, Granada, and Qatar, and then we likely play the winner of um, Group C, which is Costa Rica, Jamaica, one of those guys. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we're still in the same mindset that if Mexico doesn't win this tournament, it's a disaster. <laughs> Completely. You have to win, but I think if you're just looking ahead to the quarterfinal, at least you want to avoid Honduras. They shut out Mexico in the, in the friendly about a month ago and looked solid in that match. And they, they also gave the United States a lot of trouble in the Nations League semifinal. And arguably, could, they, they could have won that match against a full-strength United States. So... I think you want to avoid Honduras, certainly in the quarterfinal if you can. Um, and then you'd be imagining probably, um, as you touched on, a semifinal against against Costa Rica, who, although they're they're kind of on a downswing over the last couple of years, they're they're always tough for Mexico, certainly in knockout phase games. 
And beyond that, we have World Cup qualifying starting on September 2nd, which is under eight weeks away now. And um, apparently Mexico is going to play with no fans because they play, they play against Jamaica the first game. Then they travel to Costa Rica, but that is eight weeks away. That is on the on the longer end of Lozano's recovery. So there is a chance if he has a setback. I mean, or I mean, honestly, if I'm Napoli, do I want to send him? Do I want to say, hey, maybe you sit these September games out and because uh, there's three games in that first window. It's Mexico hosting Jamaica, Mexico going to Costa Rica three days later, and then three days after that, they're going to Panama. So it's a it's a triple header. It's a very important window for Mexico to, you know, plow ahead through Qatar. So these injuries, not good. But uh, hopefully Lozano is back in time. But that's this is the this is the more important thing that's going to happen for 2021. Like honestly, I want Mexico to win the Gold Cup. We get it, but they could win the Gold Cup and then they bomb in the World Cup qualifying. No one's going to remember this Gold Cup. For sure, I think I think it's tough. There's always with Mexico being the giant of CONCACAF and, and being expected to win every tournament they play at a regional level, there's there's that expectation always, and there's pressure if you then don't win. So coming off a Nations League uh, defeat in the final, there's huge pressure to win this Gold Cup. But I think, like you're saying, people will forget about it if you then go out in the round of 16 again in a World Cup, right? I think... And, and similarly, they'll they're also forget about it. If you, if you can make the fifth game finally, all will be forgiven. I think you want to win this tournament. You, you need to – I think certainly in the group stage, it would be nice to maybe see a little bit of a, a balance between trying to give some players, some, some more fringe players, um, a chance and, and testing some things out with a, a look forward to the start of the World Cup qualifiers and also – recognizing that you need to win the tournament because I think it's in, it's important obviously to win this, but it's, it's more important to be ready for the world cup and, and to be ready to perform there. If, if Mexico doesn't win this tournament, are we going to like pat that go? <laughs> no, I think, I think he's, I think he's pretty secure no matter what, but it would bring a lot of pressure, right? It would bring a lot of pressure and it would increase the tension ahead of world cup qualifiers. You want to have as serene an environment as possible. Obviously, Heading into that, like you're saying, there there are triple headers now, because because of COVID and the and the havoc that it's wrought on the whole qualifying process in Concacaf. There's going to be triple headers now every time Mexico are are going to play a World Cup qualifying sequence, so to speak. The need to to be um, prepared mentally and in, and in a good space for those games and to have as little pressure as possible outside. Obviously, the major pressure of, of qualifying for the World Cup is ideal. And in addition to Gold Cup, uh, I mean, we won't really talk about it right now, but I'll have you come on later and we can kind of go a little more in depth. But Mexico plays their opener in 11 days from today. Today's the 11th. So on July 22nd, we play France and Tokyo for the Olympic. The word is Mexico. I mean, this is a good group, but with the host and France. But I think France is sending a pretty a much weaker squad than initially thought apparently league league one was like, nah, forgive us our players. So it's looking like Mexico should advance on this group. That's gotta be the hope. I think the the opening game against the other strongest side, at least on paper, certainly in terms of name will, will define a lot. I am aware that there has been a little bit of uh, backlash, certainly in France 
um, with relation to the squad that was picked. But I think uh, a result, at least in that first match, would be huge. Even if it's a draw, I think that that's fine. But a win would be amazing and, and would be the perfect start. And I think you said it right. I think this is a this is a promising generation for Mexico, but it's not the easiest group. I think they could have had a, a better draw, certainly. But I think they have the talent to still make it out of that group, for sure. And if they do make it out of the group, they will play either the winner or the runner-up in Group B, which has New Zealand, South Korea, our good friend Honduras, or Romania. So you kind of never know. I mean, these Olympics are kind of a crapshoot, depending on who gets allowed to go. That's kind of the big, I feel like the big driver, you know. A lot of countries don't care. And not that they don't care, but they're not going to send their top players if they're if that top player is an important player on that club team, which just kind of seems to be what happened with uh, – with France, with not them, with League One not letting uh, teams, League One clubs not releasing some players, uh, Mexico were able to get all their players from Liga, uh, Liga MX release, but, and they were able to get Diego Linus. So are you excited Linus is, uh, was allowed to go to the Olympics? Would you rather have seen him play at the Gold Cup? No, I think I'd rather see him at the Olympics. I think there's something to be said for trying to win an Olympic gold medal. Although some some countries don't take it as seriously, I think it's still a worthwhile venture. He's at the age where he doesn't count against the overage limit or at an age where he doesn't count against that limit. So I think trying to bring your best team, I think, I think makes sense because now you look, I mean, gold cups are every two years. They don't give you a confederations cup spot anymore. The gold cup in terms of what it actually means to win the gold cup has, has been devalued and Olympic gold medal hasn't been devalued. Um, or an Olympic medal hasn't been devalued. And I think in the U23 age group, he's one of the best players. I think he's made a lot of progress this summer. In the winter with Betis, he was getting a lot of minutes as well. As we touched on a little bit before we started recording, the bout of COVID set him back a little bit with, with his club, but he's he's come on really strong in the summer so far for Mexico. And I'm excited to see him on the stage of an Olympics, which I think we'll get we'll get more eyes on him as well internationally. To see what he can do. Yeah, and I think he is actually the youngest member on the Olympic squad. <laughs> he just turned 21 last month, and he is the youngest member on that squad, which is a little surprising. But yeah, I'm so I'm excited to see him play, and it's, I mean, he's going to be a starter. And yeah, I would rather see him on the on that Olympic stage. And I'm kind of I'm a little surprised Real Betis let him go, just because they're going to be in Europa League. But maybe they see you know benefits to him playing on an international stage and. And like I said, we talked about it before. I know they, they want him to play. They're going to play him a lot, I think, this season. But you never know. He does well. Someone comes in with an offer. You never know. And Real Betis isn't one to hold on a player either. Yeah, I am too. I think I think I was I was intrigued that they they allowed him to go, especially look at Edson's way more established with Ajax, but Ajax didn't allow him to him to go to the Olympics. We we touched on a little bit again before we started recording. He's behind, arguably. That it's these um, two best players in Fikir and Canales, and as as promising a talent as he is, and even with the progress that he's made in 2021, I don't think he goes into the season with Betis as a starter. So, so what you're what you're referring to, I think, makes a lot of sense. If he if he does really well at the Olympics and maybe draws the attention of a bigger side, I don't think Betis would would necessarily. I think they'd listen to the offer at least. I don't think he's I don't think he's in uh, a player that untransferable certainly yeah i mean it's one of those things where you do well the olympics are still late enough 
it might be a time crunch for him to get sold in this transfer window, but he gets more eyeballs on him, and you never know. Come January 1st, obviously these will probably be – some of those January transfers are agreed to a month before the window reopens, but – I don't know, I'm excited for him. I, he's one of those guys I'm pumped for. Uh, Guardado should be back in time for the Betta season, so that should be good. It's going to be an interesting couple weeks. We just had an interesting couple weeks with Copa America and Euros, which is nice because, you know, you watch Euros in the morning. Not the morning, but early, early, even, early day, early afternoon, and then you watch Copa America at night. But now we got the main event. Now we got the Gold Cup. That should be fun for everyone. Yes, this is, this is the one we've all been waiting for, for sure, this summer. What's the, oh, never mind. The, the U.S. plays Haiti? They play Haiti. Yeah, Haiti, that's yep. the primetime game today. So, yeah, I might watch a little bit of that. We'll see. Um, Alexi Lalas was losing his mind last night when Mexico didn't win, so that's cool. Uh, all right, well, I'm glad you were able to hop on today. I'll definitely invite you again. It's a good, good talk. Uh, where can the people find you? So on Twitter, I'm at 4kicksblog. Um, I also I also write for Footmex Nation and and I do some Italian soccer writing as well for for Football Italia. It's not it's more than just Mexicans abroad, right? You do Liga MX uh, national team players too, right? Videos. For sure, yeah. I would say it's actually it's it's majority. Well, it's whatever. It's it's Liga MX. It's Mexican national team. A little bit of Liga MX femenile as well. Mexicans abroad. Anything related to Mexican soccer, both domestically and internationally, I do highlight videos for. Yeah, and those are great. If you guys, I mean, not everyone wants to get up at four in the morning to hope Edson Alvarez plays against Heracles and the uh, Eredivisie. So it's always nice to catch a nice, usually like what two to three minutes. Yeah, right? yep, they're they're right at, right at about two minutes, a little bit more sometimes. Otherwise, you guys can get up in the morning and watch Omar Govea like me on some shady stream. Uh, luckily, the Belgium League is on ESPN Plus, so that's real nice. <laughs> Not like, the, uh, not like the Alan Polito days where I was watching on some sketchy sites that I definitely got viruses from. Uh, but yeah, thanks for listening to the pod, guys. Hopefully we'll uh, get another episode out after the uh, Guatemala game on Wednesday night. Hopefully it's a lot better result because if we don't beat Guatemala, it's not going to be a happy pod. But thanks for listening. It'll be a problem, bud. Yeah, oh yeah. Be, it might be Tata out. That might be the name of the episode. <laughs> but thanks for listening. Thanks for coming on, Owen. I'll definitely have you on again in the future. All right, peace out, guys.